Okay, are we ready? So um, this evening, we're going to talk about power. So after money last time, I guess sex comes next week. So tune in for that one. But the, the whole idea of this transmission is politics and power. And the beginning is that just as the whole economic system is flawed because it's based on um, debt. So that debt is at the core of the economics. And what's at the core of power as we know it is um, a sense of powerlessness. And that sense of powerlessness is what results in all of the fear and the control of the political systems. So that if we're going to change the root of civilization with Pluto and Capricorn, the essence over the next five years is to get to the root, the underpinnings of what politics and economics really is. There's no point in creating change on the surface without getting to the fundamental root. So this transmission addresses what is the root of power and freedom as we understand it. And how does that root need to be pulled up in order to have different systems of power and uh, then flowing into economics. So last week we looked at an economic system that is of the soul has to be based on the abundance of what has already been given rather than debt based on the potential for the future. So it needs to be driven out of uh, the initiates, the soul, the earth itself that is already abundant and an economic system based on that abundance. He's also saying somewhere that, that no system in itself can create the change. Like a new economic system based on blockchain and da-da-da is not going to do it if the core consciousness running the system has got its own deep flaws in it. And... It's the same if you have really pure consciousness in a system that is basically inherently corrupt, then you're going to be struggling with that the whole time. So he looks at what is the impact and the relationship between the deep consciousness in any system and the matter in the system. And economics looks at the matter and politics looks at the core of consciousness. What is the will that's vibrating through the core consciousness that runs the system? And basically what he's saying is that the, the, the root, the deep root of the problems with power have got to do with, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna just give you a, a, a taste of this to shock you and then we'll go into it later. It's got to do with the fact that humanity really wants to kill itself. That's what it's got to do with. Like the core problem with power is that the human will is not fully to be here. And that's because we draw our will, we draw the essence of our power from a greater source. In the same way that the matter in our bodies, we all know is made from stardust and it's made from you know recycled compost of you know lives that have lived before and in fact in esoteric healing dk talks about the fact that part of the problems of disease is because we are still using matter that hasn't been fully purified from previous cycles of incarnation so the interesting piece here is that our our identity is also 
um, built out of a matrix. So, you know, just as we, as our bodies use matter to generate a body, our identity uses identity to generate identity. So inherent in each of our identities is the identity of the planetary logos and of the solar logos and of the monad and of the galactic logos. So the three streams of self, like when we think of ourselves as a personal self, a soul self, a monadic self, those selves are sourced out of rays from those identities. Okay, so in the esoteric tradition, it said that every soul on earth um, takes the name of the father. So what that means is that the planetary logos, the Uranus aspect, the soul of earth, his identity is shared with all of us as living cells in that being. So our identity is intimately connected. We are that. And that identity of the planetary logos is a divine rebel, which means that it's still taking the second degree, which means that the will of the personal planetary soul, the piece of the, of the soul that incarnated is still not fully comfortable with the incarnation, which is why it went to the monad and now is coming back to deeply land in the body. What that means in each of us then is that a, the piece of our personal will is coming in in rebellion to our soul will. It's coming in in rebellion. And that rebellion is in the gap between our conscious choice to be here or not. So if we go back to like how people are conceived, you know, that when there is conscious conception a deep alignment by embodied initiate parents who are calling forth a soul into incarnation as a conscious choice, then there's no gap between the will of the soul and the will of the personal self. But until that time, you know, comes when we are deeply consciously incarnating the spiritual leaders of the future, then everybody else coming into incarnation is coming in the, in, in the gap between their will and the will of their soul. So it's said that that kind of incarnating is karmic. In other words, you, you are forced under karmic law of a much greater um, paradigm for the soul to incarnate. And because of that, deep down somewhere in the soul is this place of not fully choosing to be here. So what looks like um, a fear of death because there's in the body itself, in the, in the base center is this desire to survive, which is coming up from the body. It's the instinctual biological life in the body. But in the soul, hidden, curled up like, like, a, like a, um, you know, a, a vine around our core identity is a piece in everyone of this not wanting to be here. And that not wanting to be here means that there is a misalignment, a rebellion between the personal will and our own divine will. And that misalignment is that the root of the powerlessness that sits at the core of all of our political structures. Okay, so basically why our political structures are all based on some degree of fear and control is because there isn't a full freedom 
in the core of the self about choosing life. And, you know, for me, it made a lot of sense when I feel like everything that's going on now um, is forcing that choice. Because what he was saying is that political structures that are based on having that flaw within it will tend to one of two ways. They'll either tend to the idea of freedom. And the idea of freedom is normally the idea of freedom of the personal self to have as many choices as it can. Okay, and the freedom is normally set up against tyranny and control. So if you look at our, our most healthy political systems like the American Revolution, they threw off the control of the British, which they considered to be, you know, tyrannical in order to establish, you know, the freedom that underlines um, America or the French Revolution or the UN itself was set up to after the Second World War, after an attempted domination of the whole planet by, you know, the, the Axis powers. So these kinds of freedoms are set up in response to tyranny or control. And he's saying that at the root of both those, at the root of that kind of freedom and that kind of control is the same energy of powerlessness. And uh, so I'll go into that a little bit more now because it's from the end of the transmission, but it makes sense to say here in terms of political system that if the system is built on immature freedom, then what it seeks to do is prolong the opportunity for the personal self to choose anything and everything except its own soul's destiny. So that kind of freedom is like an adolescence that never accepts the responsibility of the incarnation because there is a gap between the will of the soul and the will of the personal self. It creates the prolonged um, civilization that we've had. And there's two things that, that happen. One is that the freedom isn't real because it always starts with never again. Never again will they dominate us like before. Never, and never again will they limit our personal freedom. Never again will there be a dictatorship or, a, you know, whatever. It always starts with never again and then spirals back around to again because the fundamental peace has not been taken out. The fundamental powerlessness has not been taken out. Or you have the control side and that can be immature control like dictatorships or oligarchs or a bunch of people wanting to control for their own survival and self-interest. But it can also be totalitarian states that say for the good of the whole, we're going to limit you all and control you all, maybe keep you all in, the, in your homes out of, for COVID, but we're going, to do, we're going to control everybody for the collective good, which is another form of totalitarianism and has at its roots fear. So neither of those systems are, are healthy to, in order to build a political system on for the future. They're, they're inherently damaged. So I'm gonna read you the piece, you know, he translates uh, in one of his earlier books, DK, this piece from the old commentaries. And what old commentaries are, are you, know, you know, Sanskrit or um, Sensar writings, that have been an attempt to translate them into, into English. So this is, a, um, this is a commentary about the planetary Logos, the Lord of the world, like what happened to um, him in incarnation. So I'm just gonna read it for you and then we'll discuss it a bit. Mm -hmm. 
So it begins, he entered into life and knew it to be death. He took a form and grieved to find it dark. He drove himself forth from the secret place and sought the place of light. And light revealed all that he sought the least. He craved permission to return. He sought the throne on high and him who sat thereon. He said, I sought not this. I looked for peace, for light, for scope to serve, to prove my love and to reveal my power. Light there is none. Peace is not. Let me return. But he who sat upon the throne turned not his head. He seemed not even to listen nor to hear. And then from the lower sphere of darkness and of pain, a voice cried forth and said, we suffer here. We seek the light. We need the glory of an entering God. And, you know, he says, I can find no other words except those two to express the ancient symbol. Lift, lift us to heaven. Enter, O Lord, the tomb. Raise us into light and make the sacrifice. Break down for us the prison wall and enter into pain. The Lord of life returned. He liked it not, and hence the pain. So that story is what sits at the core of every human soul. We, we partake of that story. And so somewhere down in the core of all of us is a thread that's either unconscious or we've made it conscious or we've integrated it and married it to the, the, the life force in the body. But that thread is basically a thread of not liking it in incarnation, not really wanting to be here, experiencing it as sacrifice and suffering and pain to be in incarnation. That piece, unless it is levered up from the psyche, undermines everything. Remember I said before, he said that um, the big problem with humanity is that deep down, humanity doesn't want to live. And so on the one side, we have fear of death and, and you know, trying not to die and everybody you know, um, trying to avoid uh, circumstances that make them face their death. But the other side of the equation, like a beautiful duality, is this Thanatos, this desire to die, the desire to end it all, which is why we don't seem to have the will to change the civilization because a part of us doesn't want to. A part of us wants it to end. And this is a, this is a very difficult thing to confront in each of us and in the world, that while we're busy with one hand, saying we want to live and trying to live the other part of us is secretly trying to end it all and sometimes that part wells up and suicide and war and killing of others and projecting out all of that but it's in there and unless we face that unless we can face that there's a part of us that has not chosen to be here that doesn't want to be here and actually would like it to be over as soon as possible so we can get the fuck out of here. Unless we own that part, no system that we create inside ourselves or outside ourselves is going to work because it's like that system has 
It's like, you know, Ariadne weaving her web at night, we unweave it. So it's not that we don't have the will, we have inside us an active will that wants the opposite. So maybe just like pause and feel into that inside ourselves. Like where is that place in us, that deep place in us that, that um, we know is still choosing fully to be here. And, you know, often the, the search for a life purpose or, you know, to have meaning and so on is a way actually of avoiding knowing what it is. So in this piece, he says that unless this piece is leave it up in the psyche, there is no true power and no true freedom. Because freedom is not the capacity to choose whatever you like when you have a deep um, choice that you've already made not to be here driving things from underneath. So um, he says really that you can't have any power structure that is effective unless you have people who have conquered that fear of death, who have faced that and their desire to kill themselves and others, because that's what it eventually comes to. It comes to that. Otherwise, that will infect and taint every system of power that we create. And every system of power will actually be a system of death and destruction and war um, as in the name of keeping everybody alive and you know, surviving so that we can one day thrive. That unless that is levered out of the cracks, then changing the system, revolutionizing the system is not going to have any lasting long-term change. So, um, yeah, this is sobering but beautiful because it means that there is a system of power that we can access. And it's not so much like the matter systems, which are changing a lot of the structures. It needs deep change inside everybody. And what's happening with the planetary logos that has ta is taking the second initiation, he's forcing the choice on everyone because that's happening inside each of us, which is why, you know, suicide and mental health and so on is growing and why tremendous tension is appearing in the world between these two forces of freedom you know, the idea of like, don't tell me what to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm inherently free. And this idea of control, whether that control is coming from fear or even the goodwill of, you know, doing something that's good for everybody. He says at the root of both those systems is a flaw. So he gave some really interesting advice, you know, which is, which is his advice for the next five years, like in the political arena is the first part of the advice is don't stand against anyone or anything. And particularly don't um, get drawn into that battle. Now he's not saying that there aren't going to be um, things that shouldn't be happening, you know, particularly when the vulnerable people are been exploited and hurt. And so he's not saying that bad things aren't happening. He's just saying, don't stand against them. Don't put yourself into the sixth ray battle, which is coming. 
And the reason there's a sixth ray battle coming over the next decade is because it's the end of the sixth ray age. And at the end of you know, every cycle, the deeply buried energies inherent in the karma of that cycle come to the surface. Okay, so we all have six ray emotional bodies probably, and we all have passion. And he's saying the way through the next five to 10 years is not to get drawn in. So he uses the analogy of Odysseus, you know, who was being, um, who was, had his hands tied to the mast as he was being rowed past the, the island of the sirens. So he's recommending because he can see what's coming and he knows what's on the horizon that for the group of initiates in the world, tie your hands to the mast. Don't stand against anything and don't stand for anything in any way that seeks to enroll other people in an ideology or a system for the greater good. So don't play the game. And he said that, you know, now that sounds okay, but in, in, you know, maybe even by the time the American elections come along, who knows that it will be almost impossible to resist because the emotional body of humanity is going to play the game of, you know, you're with us or you're against us, or this is for the greater good or that whole emotional upwelling of the polarity of good and bad, good and evil, light and dark, abuse and not abuse, all of those things that we know so well is gonna be very difficult not to be drawn into. And the only reason not to be drawn into it is, is you have to do the work on yourself. You have to do the work on yourself in order not to, to be in the easy indulgence actually of allowing it to work out in the greater field. What an initiate is, is somebody who can hold themselves through that particularly an initiative of the second degree. And he's saying that if you can do that, there's other work for you. Like there are plenty of people whose job it is to stand for, you know, the good against the bad or the injustice or all of those things. That's their karmic job and what they're here for. But those who are here to transmit dark light, those who are here to hold the foundations of the civilization that's coming, they can't afford to let themselves get swept into that. And that feels to me like um, really good advice and also uh, difficult advice, you know, it, it, because the same is true even on a small level to not get drawn into when you go home to your families and, you know, the same old patterns of abuse and whatever are playing out. And you think to yourself, God, if I can't change it in my family, how will I, how will I ever change the world? And like, you've got to make a stand somewhere and da, da, da. So all of this, this, you know, thing that, that awakens is in us is part, he says, of the emergence of the world soul. So the emergence of the world soul is going to emerge through this sixth ray battle at the end of times, you know, at the end of the sixth ray age, that battle will play out. Witness the fact that it's going to play out. Know that you've got energy in yourself that is part of that because we all do and work that out inside yourself. He says that um, all, all war on the planet is civil war. So it doesn't matter whether it's the American North and South or whether it's, you know, the Germans versus the French, there's only one humanity. We all partake from exactly the same core identity. So all war is civil war. And, you, and, and whatever you, are, you stand um, against creates a pattern of 
dislocation. He's not saying that, those, that, that our life now hasn't been built on the progressive evolution of a more healthy system of flawed power. So in other words, slavery is not as good as, you know, at least the right to, you know, choose your slavery of earning a living, you know, like, like the, the level of slavery gets better. And he actually says that, um, that that's the core, like if the core of currency is debt, the core of political power is slavery. And slavery, you know, he, he says you could justify that actually, literally, but he's more talking about the slavery that comes from forcing ourselves to do what we don't want to do and not wanting to do the thing that we have said that we will do. So, you know, he says that the, that, that, that planetary logos is, you know, the typical pre-second degree initiate that you have this great insight to serve. You have this wonderful expansion of your consciousness and your awareness and you see a great vision and you say, yep, I'm in for that. And then it gets really hard. You know, when you actually leap into that vision from the mountaintop, which seems so amazing, you're going to encounter difficulties that you never imagined. Just like the planetary Logos, now he says, yes, I'll incarnate on Earth. And now he's got all of these cells in his body that um, are suffering and he's suffering along with them. And so this is that journey, you know, you, you know, on your own initiatory path, like, yes, I'm going on the journey until you're deep, deep in your emotional trauma and upcoming some part from the core. And then you're like, actually, I, I, I don't remember saying yes to this. I don't remember, you know, that moment when I said yes, and maybe I should reconsider. Maybe there's signs that actually it's not working and my path should now take another, you know, direction. But we know when we're doing that. No, and we know when our, when our deep soul choice is being subverted by a part of us that is just not ready to face it. So he says, you know, the power of this initiation for many, many people taking the second degree is that it will force everybody to make the choice inside themselves, use the free will that's inside every human being to align it with our sole purpose and the sole purpose of earth or to not. So all war is civil war. And because death is coming, you know, this is this first ray that comes with Shambhala energy because death is coming. Um, it's really important for that uh, war, that battle not to be fought on the physical plane. And he says it won't this time. That's, that's one of the, the, the results of the decision of the planetary logos is that we won't see global war. Um, and imagine with all of the sophistication since a hundred years ago, when there was the second world war, what would happen if there was like, that would be the deep destruction on the physical plane. So the destruction can't happen on the physical plane, but it will play out on the emotional and mental planes. And because it's going to play out in this, you know, dichotomy of these two energies, then it needs initiates or those who are here to wield the dark power to bring that energy all the way through to the physical. Okay, and that will actually keep the precipitation of the conflict that's going to go on ideologically from landing and being carried out on the physical because the physical is becomes more and more filled with the dark light. So his invitation is 
when first ray energy comes in to it's naturally to let it spill into the emotional and sexual energy. But if you hold it and drop it all the way to the base, then you have a chance of getting clear of the very deep energies of survival and also the desire to die that are hidden deeply in the spirit and in matter. And so he's saying that those who carry dark light focus on bringing it deeply into your own body rather than um, hitting that tension that comes from life and death feelings, which will tend to enroll you in the drama uh, of the emotional and mental plane. But if you can go through them yourself and penetrate them, then you can land that dark light deeply in matter. And that's just not your body, but it's these temples around the world too, which will then allow the temple of power to land, which is the energy of dark light and matter, which will keep the, the necessary emergent conflict up on the emotional and mental planes for humanity and provide a solid foundation for the power structures of the new civilization. So I thought that was actually useful in terms of what is the function and relationship between landing new civilization and the temples um, and the new currency. He's also saying that, that power structures that don't have, you know, an, an esoteric terminology, third degree initiates at the center will always fail because they have within them the flaws around power. So you have to have at your core of any, you know, system of power or politics, you have to have initiates. You have to have people who have penetrated through their own deep, issues around life and death so that they can hold that clear for the collective. If you don't have that, then ultimately the whole idea of power corrupting is it corrupts because those at the center are not able to hold it. And then it spills out and we play it out collectively. We play out these very issues. So um, that, that seems to me the, the, the essence of what he's saying about politics is you can't build politics based on flawed power and a flawed understanding of freedom. And then he goes on to say that what freedom really is, is, um, is choosing what's already been chosen, choosing what you were already part of choosing. So this is the, that, you know, stage in the awakening where you, you, your personal identity links deeply with your identity as soul, touches the monadic impression, and now you willingly limit all of the free choices your personal self could have to just the ones that are deeply aligned with your purpose of your incarnation, with your soul purpose for being here. Okay, so that's not limitation by the state or by others or it's self-limitation which is the opposite of you know our concept of what freedom is as a personal self which is like i want to do whatever i want nobody tell me what to do you know you're not the boss of me i will follow my own path so this kind of freedom is is the freedom to deliberately discipline your personal self in alignment with your soul choice 
So it's kind of a combination of the best of what's behind liberalism, the liberal kind of culture and the conservative kind of culture, which is the conservative is trying to preserve classical values. You know, the conservative part of our own being is the part that limits our personal choices because of something higher, because something more matters to us than that. So that's the conservative part. And the liberal part of us is the part that understands that, that everything that we're doing is got free will at its core. It's got free choice at the core. And the fact that we now may be deeply in incarnation and we don't really remember why we chose to be here doesn't mean that a deeper part of us didn't make that choice. And that there is no peace and therefore no power as long as you are in rebellion. As long as your identity is in your personal self, avoiding the deep choice you already made to incarnate and bring something deeply here, then there is no peace. And no matter what you do, there will never be peace until you come back to that peace, to penetrate that peace. And that means deeply looking at, you know, what's called the dweller on the threshold in the esoteric traditions, which is basically that piece of us that seeks to undermine the whole project that doesn't really want to be here. You know, and in a way, you could say that the, the, the Brexit and electing Donald Trump and, and, you know, the fact that people are just not going to wear their masks and they're going to walk out and they're done with like being in lockdown and so on. This is all part of that part of us that refuses to be limited by something outside. And it's got a healthy side and an unhealthy side. The healthy side says, I'm not going to be controlled by fear. But the unhealthy side says, fuck it, let's let the whole thing burn. You know, like, what do we care? Because we don't really want to be here anyway. Nobody chose this. So that unhealthy side of the rebellion and the healthy side are, are going to play out. And, that, and we already see it in, you know, protests and so on. There's some that represent the part of humanity that is like, we're standing up for values and principles. And there are some that are just throwing the cocktails and smashing and grabbing and burning because Fuck it, you know? So that's on the freedom side and on the conservative side, the same. There are people who will limit and control and have more control because, you know, they're control freaks and they think that controlling others makes the less chance of them dying. Um, and then there's the control that comes from, we know what's best for everybody, that, that, you know, there are higher values and principles here that everybody needs to like stay away from like breathing on each other and that will be for the collective good. So we'll police that if we need to. So again, there's positive sides and negative sides in the control. But the point that he's suggesting here as we go into political season around the world is don't buy into either of them. As, as attractive as they may be, wait and hold for something deeper and in that waiting and holding you'll have to deal with the tension in your own being the parts of you that are still in rebellion the parts of you that still seek to control and that will force anything that is misaligned between your soul will and your personal will to the surface and when that comes to the surface you're able to replace that with dark light so when you know, the survival fears come from the base center. As they come up to the heart and into consciousness, you can replace that with dark light. The same principle applies when we're anchoring temples. As we work with the land over time in rhythm and meditation and so on, we're gradually helping replace 
the principle, and he calls this very distinctly. He says, you have to marry inside you the spirit in the soul, no, the destructive energy of spirit within soul with the creative energy of spirit within matter. That's the marriage you have to do. You have to marry the destructive energy of the spirit and soul, which is that part in our soul that wants to end everything with the creative energy, that part in matter that just wants to, you know, create and procreate and so on. If you can bring those two into marriage, then you can hold the temples. And holding the temples, he said, you, you're not going to need really complex political structure because if each person has ended their own rebellion, okay, if each person has ended their own rebellion, and essentially that rebellion is the rebellion of the personal self to the soul, that's the place where the rebellion is. If you end that, that's how you become a third degree initiate. And then there is no argument, but like you're not propagating out all of the issues of power and rebellion and control and fear because they are no longer present inside you. There is alignment. And he said, what the power and the politics of the temples will be third degree initiates or people who have aligned their personal and soul wills listening together. That's power. You just come together, fuse your cause, listen, and and are in touch with the life that is both in matter and in the core of the soul. And it's not struggling with the integration of the will of the soul and the will of the personality. So the core of a temple are those beings who have done that work. And what the temple it is, is other beings who are coming in to do that work fast, to speed up their own process of integration. And of course, you know, um, as we consciously conceive and as we grow and mature, then there'll be less and less of the deep cleanup work needed by the souls in the future. But this is kind of like a great clearing house. These temples are a great clearing house to accelerate the process of initiation over this period of, of time on the planet. Um, the other thing that he said that was interesting was that, um, that along with all of the money issues and the power issues is the issue of sexual abuse. And he's saying that um, if, if power is like the father principle and money is like the mother principle, um, the child, and they're reflections of that because power is not political power, power is alignment and matter, the power of matter is not money, money just represents it, but he says, Power and money are like the embodied reflections of two principles distorted as they are by um, conditioning. So therefore, if one's like, you know, the father aspect and one's the mother aspect, sex is the embodied expression of the soul. So the soul that is between the mother and father principles, between the masculine and the feminine, it's reflection in our embodiment is our sexuality. And, and then he says that sexual abuse is basically the outpicturing of a civilization that is hostile to the soul, particularly sexual abuse of children. So I just wanna let that land because as these Pluto and Capricorn energies 
come up and they bring up the issues of uh, abuse of power and the abuse of money that also bring up this energy. And it's not only happening in the world, it's happening inside ourselves. It said that this mismatch between the alignment of the personality and the soul is the cause of sexual misery on the planet. And I wonder what, you know, that means that sexual misery and, and how is it that we abuse our own sexuality as the child of these two powerful energies inside ourselves and in our groups. So, um, if we were also lifting that out of the lower chakras of power, sex, and money, and we were putting it in the whole part of our body, then, you know, the power would relate to the crown center, the money to the base, and the sex is the heart. So the sexual energy of the heart is that healthy relationship the heart has with other hearts and the flow of love that happens. And the abuse of the heart, the, stuff, the, the equivalent of the sexual abuse on the sexual levels <clears throat> is the abuse of the, the part of our heart that is a soul in a culture that's hostile to soul. And what happens for most people when they go into that deep suffering of the heart is they call out, they call out to nature or they call out to God or they call out that deep suffering at the core of the heart is the equivalent of the sexual suffering. It's the calling out for um, some uh, energy or system that is not the abusive system of earth, of incarnated earth. So um, <clears throat> to, to bring that to you know, a point, the core then of that suffering in the heart is an existential suffering. Because in that deep suffering, you face that question of, do I want to be here? If it's like this. And um, Albert Camus was a great philosopher. I think he said, um, the only real philosophical question is, should I kill myself? That's the only question. Everything comes out of that. And um, that's the existential question. That's the dark night of the soul. That's the deep place where the soul suffers deeply in being an incarnation. And it can be covered over and layered and layered with all kinds of distractions. But that when you get to the core of the soul principle, whether it's the sexual principle or the, the principle of the heart between these higher parts, then there is that deep question. And in the answering of that question, in the choice that you make on the cross is whether or not you live and die. Because you actually have to go back to that part of you that does not want to be here, that suffers here. And you have to, in the middle of that suffering, in the very core of it, you have to choose to be here. Like that's power. And anything on top of that, when that choice is not being made, when the, the deep trauma in the core of the heart has not come up for you to penetrate, then it's basically got this flaw within it. It's got this avoidance within it. So he said, you know, it's a, a, an amazing time in a sense because the decision of the planetary logos has now forced every soul on earth 
to make a choice. And that choice is whether or not to choose what we have already chosen. Okay, so the only thing that we can't do anymore is delay it and put it out into the future. The only thing we can't do is play the adolescent game of pushing out the deep responsibility for making that choice to another day, to another life, to another planet. We're forced because of the circumstances and the initiation that's underway to make a choice. And, and in that choice, there's two radical solutions. You know, the, the only choice we, we can't make is let's just wait and see what happens. Okay, we can't make that choice of like, let's wait and see what happens, you know, sooner or later, it will reveal itself. And then we'll just go with, you know, whatever the right choices, then that you have to play, you know, like, it's like, you can't, you can't witness. The only place to witness is die. You know, death is the option if you want to witness and there is that is a valid choice, you know, at this time on the planet, you know, I think you said in an earlier transmission, death is coming. And when death comes, you can either say, yep, I'm, I'm out, like I'm out of the game, end of the incarnation, because that's really what I want. A part of me, I'm, I'm saying yes to the part of me that's never been happy being here, that's never really chosen to be here, finds the whole thing incredibly cruel and full of suffering and would rather not to be. Maybe I can't even tell myself that, but somewhere inside me, I'm, I'm given that choice. And you know, like the old commentary says, to enter into life and find it to be death. That, that incarnation is a death or a tomb to some part of us. And it's an opportunity to serve and, and bring life to another part. But there is that opportunity. The death is not gonna be, be caught up by you know, outer wars. It's going to be offered you know, at the moment, I guess it's through the corona and who, who knows how else it's coming. But secretly, quietly in the core of every soul, um, you'll, you'll be given that choice. And, you know, as I said before, suicide is, is one of the most powerful forms of death in the world, most common in the world. And, and in that actually have really populations, it's deeply on the rise. Somebody's mic is on. And, you know, in many families, you know, when it happens, there is that sense of we didn't know they were going through that. So the sensitivity of our soul does know that. You know, when we're deeply enough in our soul, we can feel that in ourselves and each other. And part of that is having no judgment about that choice. And having no moral condemnation of that choice. Somebody gets cancer or somebody, you know, dies, you know, the, the fear of death makes us want to say, well, you didn't have courage or you didn't, you know, do the right meditation or, you know, whatever. But actually what he's saying is this is a deeply valid choice that has got nothing to do with your opinion about it. It's actually when the soul is alone with God, that's where those choices are made. And they, in some senses, deeply are already made. And what we do have is the free will to choose that or not. So, you know, power has a sobering quality and that sobering quality is that our life and our death is in our own hands. But if our death is in our own hands, if we can, you know, like if you could look in the inner side of the world to the part of all of us that doesn't really want to be here and is looking for a way out, but can't consciously do that. 
You know, like, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of driving down the motorway or whatever, and there's some part that says, wow, if I just turned the wheel suddenly now, you know, like I'd hit that truck and it would be all over. Like, what is that voice? Where did that come from? So we all have that Thanatos somewhere. And, you know, what maybe Corona and other things are is that the angel of death just hovering and saying, you know what, if it really hurts too much or if you just are done and you don't want to, there's a way. There's a way. And it won't be your fault. You know, you won't, you won't actually have to like, like drink yourself to death or, you know, do something self-destructive to you and others. You can just exit. It's okay. And to be in a place of deep um, letting go of right or wrong about that, of what the right choice or not is when people, you know, choose to live or die or be here. But if you're allowed to choose death, and you're allowed to choose it unconsciously, by the way. I'm not saying that everybody who dies is consciously choosing that. But, but he is saying that those choices have been made at much deeper levels than just a personal choice. And an initiate is someone who knows when the soul's choice to live or die is aligned with their personal choice. So if we have that possibility of choosing to die, we also have that possibility of deeply choosing to live of lining ourselves up deeply and irrevocably through our own will and the full choice with the, the deep choice that our soul under monadic life made. And when we do that, now we have no choice because we have given no choice to our personal selves other than to be fully in alignment with the soul. When you do that, there is a rapid precipitation of the soul power through the personal self. Because up until that point, it's being blocked by this misalignment of wills. And this is the antidote really to a culture all over the planet that has at its roots victim. Okay, and where the victim comes from is we chose something, the soul chose to incarnate, whether or not we were conscious of that or not in our personality. And then it was too hard. And now we're looking for why it was too hard as an excuse not to actually live the life we came to live. So that produces like a, a deep victim culture that is seeking something outside of us to, to do it for us because the life death choice of the soul is too hard for us to make as a personal being. So the positive side of that is everybody's getting an opportunity during the initiatory cycle to consciously choose. And if you consciously choose to align those wills, then there can be a rapid precipitation of you as a soul through your body mind and globally a rapid precipitation of the soul of the world landing not only in bodies, but in temples and in places so that new civilization um, can come. So alignment um, and the choice to, ch to the choice to choose what's already chosen. So that is a choice, but it's a limited choice. It's a choice of the personal self to align with the program. And of course, what the immature personal self wants is still for the universe to revolve around it, for there to be no consequences of it choosing no for over and over. But that's, that's, that's not going to happen. Like the earth is at a point where there is no room for the personal self to continue to delay the process. So it's life or death. 
It's, it's that sense of saying, okay, we've got to here. Now you can fully choose to align or you can choose not to be here, but you can't choose to watch while the whole world, you know, the species die and everything else is going. So it's not a, it's not like a judgment day where there's any judgment in it, but it is like a, like a, you know, an opportunity, a crisis, an alignment that says power is here and you have to show up for yours. And I think for many people, there is a deep fear around power. And it's not just got to do with the corruption that comes with power or the sense of responsibility that there's no one to blame anymore for, you know, you choosing the life that you're living. But I feel like there is, there is karmic power. And I know for me, that was a big obstacle of, of really feeling um, misuse of power in the past and um, not, not knowing that that power was something you learn. Just like love, you learn. You don't actually just mature straight away. And when you're in a system and a society with, with heavy power, um, you know, shadows, then the misuse of power is probably reasonably normal. So being willing to cleanse your own use of power and that means willing to make mistakes and willing to bring the power of your personal will more and more deeply into alignment with soul. So he's indicating really that the temples are places where both future currency and future political power is tried out. And it's tried out because it's only in the core of temples that there is enough integration um, between the soul and the personal self so that the current can run more smoothly. So the way we use power and um, money and our sexuality in temples are critical. And the other thing he said is that you can't come up with a system. So you can't say, okay, so now we understand some of this and we're going to create a, a system of power sharing and governance and hide in and a money system that will work and we'll put all of our attention on the creating of these systems and get everybody in sacred geometry and have digital currency and so on. And then, you know, and, and have like, you know, um, sex protocols and then it will all work. He says that you have to work it out as a living thing. You can't create the structures from mind. You have to, you have to generate the structures out of relationship. And, and those relationships have to come from showing up as best you are in the way that you are with your alignments, the way that they are and learning how to cleanse your power, purify your power to cleanse your economic and financial um, flows and your sexual ones. And then naturally the systems will reveal themselves of interrelationships that are based clear of those major flaws that live in each of those systems. When that's the case, we, the temples will generate new systems that can spill out into society. So it's kind of a real invitation to not subvert the process with mind and systems and ideas, but to dedicate, um, the livingness of the process, that the living experiment is what generates the systems of the future that will sit at the heart of temples that will create political and economic and ways of relating and sexuality that do not have inside them the core root of the past civilization.
So for me, it's a, it's a lovely um, transmission to receive um, as we go into the, the confrontation really with the world around us. You know, most of us are, are aware of how powerful a time it is and how much it's affecting many people around us and how, um, and how the crisis is unfolding in such ways that it's tempting to wonder how we best make a difference. How, how do we contribute to that? How, how, when is our spirituality and so on just navel-gauging and self-indulgent? How do we make a, 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 um, a deep leveraged application of the privilege of our awakening into this collective process? And for me, this provides a, um, uh, you know, an indication or a guide that there is deep work to be done in the dark. There's deep work to be done with the dark light with the transmission of that in order to anchor and purify our own beings and set seeds up for a civilization that's coming rather than being caught in the whole drama of what's ending, which has underneath it actually a deep fear of life and death. Okay, so sobering and uh, transmission on power but i think we'll just pause there and see if there's any reflections or sharings and uh it's been it's been lovely to look at the screen and see um all of these people around the world rather than the people on the couches here it's been quite different doing it that way um so yeah let me i'd love to hear from you Hey, Bruce. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for this transmission. Can you speak up a little or? Yeah, I can speak up. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a few questions. Um, the first one is, the, the people who are here on this call are probably all standing for something already. Just by yeah. being in this call, there's a series of values that we're standing for. So if we're standing for something, mm -hmm. we're necessarily standing against something else. And I believe we are all quite active beings. So my, yeah, my first question is, how do we, yeah, how do we stay in our soul mission and do what we're doing in the world stay <laughs> and not, not get involved in the game like you were describing? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I think it's kind of easier to see the standing against side. Um, you know, it's easier for that to become apparent to us. But the standing for seems like that, that's what we're here for, to stand for love. And um, I think the danger of it is if that stand has any attempt to enroll others in, in our view of what's needed. And, you know, he talks in another time about what's called the bodhisattva wound is that the bodhisattva wound is that place inside us that suffers so deeply and makes ourselves a, a, a solution to that suffering. And because we haven't necessarily felt it fully, then we seek to enroll everybody else in our version of what needs to be changed in the world because it causes us the most suffering. So that's an example of standing for in such a way that you feel healthily driven by your passions of your heart for love, but you're not seeing underneath your own 
wounding and investment in that. And normally what happens is in that process of standing, you are forced by the resistance of others to confront um, your own wounding. So I think that standing up for love is itself a journey towards the third degree, but there is a purity that comes when true freedom radiates. And what he says is that um, instead of standing for or against, like allow life to stand up in you. Allow life to stand up in you and radiate freedom into your environment. And so I feel like that, that's a, a clue towards standing for yes, but let the life do the standing rather than our wounding. Beautiful, thank you. And my other question was about time. Um, so I've been sitting with that, like that, that intention of wanting to be here for a while now. It's been really reinforced with, with Haydn, but this, yeah, this question of like, how do I manage to want to be here? And it seems to be taking so much time that to really land the wanting to be here. And if everybody does that on an individual level, like how do we handle the, the time constraint? And maybe it's a scarcity question, but yeah, it's what's alive. No, but I think it is a, an initiation question because just as um, space limits us, so does time and the soul is embedded in time. And so we often think when, when we are in time, we are like the, the climber on the ladder. We're in the flow of time moving from past to present. But when we, when we can get out, then we're out of time. And the whole of the time cycle of your life is, is seen from outside it. So the trick, just like the trick with the soul, is to bring the part of us that lives outside time and therefore has all the time in the world, bring that into the limitation of time that comes from being in one minute or one hour or in one place, one geographic place on the world. So incarnation has limitation, but the soul that's freed from that doesn't. So if you bring the freedom of the soul that's outside time and space inside time and space, then you have more time and space. <laughs> you have more spaciousness. So it's a complex philosophical answer, but I think there is a, um, there is a way of bending the time and space that you do have through aligning with the monad. Um, it's, a, it's a quiet and sobering evening isn't it? <laughs> yeah so i love the piece first about like freedom and the paradox of like freedom being the decision to choose what's already been chosen for you um yeah it was really deep throughout the transmission i guess and i wonder if like that sounds like an easy thing but how do we start to make the like how do we start to tune in um to what those choices are and start you know mm. actually follow that have you got any tips? Yeah, well, I think that that's partly what meditation is about. I mean, again, it's easier to drop it all the way down to a situation that our personality can grasp. One could be like, um, 
I've said that I'm going to go to the gym, you know, like, because I've decided I'm going to do that as a personal self. And then two weeks later, our emotional body is like, I don't want to go to the gym. Like I, I never agreed to go to the gym. I was, I wasn't on board when we decided to go to the gym and I'm not going to go to the gym. So there's a kind of a rebellion against the personal will of the personal self by the emotional body. So, and of course, one of the ways of fixing that might be is like, okay, allow the rebellion and then maybe go read why you were going to the gym in the first place. Like reminds parts of you why you were, you know, did this thing in the first place and see whether it's relevant. So, you know, go to the next level, the whole incarnate self, the personal self, when it's in rebellion, you know, and one of the ways it's in rebellion is through unconsciousness. Like, I don't remember. Like, so I may as well just like party. But if we go on our spiritual meditative path, we develop the technology to go back to our soul self and check, like, actually, what are we doing here? Um, and then, of course, that comes in stages of revelation and process, but to continually to build that alignment so that the misalignment between the personal self and the soul purpose gets less and less. So there's many different ways and techniques of doing that. But, but you know, what the fast path for me is, the, is that monadic life force that's, that you just know. So... You know, when I was in my counseling and therapy days, uh, before I blew all of my, my people out of the water, um, I, I would just like refuse to, when someone said to me, like, I don't know what I'm here for. I want to discover my life purpose. Then I would just absolutely refuse that. I would pick up a knife and hold it to their throat and, and confront them with the idea that forgetting why we're here is also a choice. We're not a victim to that either. And that often the search for why we're here is another way of delaying actually living it. That the deep part of our life knows. And that's the sutratna rather than the antikarana. We can, we can forget in consciousness, but the core of our heart doesn't forget. The core of our heart carries the monadic charge through the soul into the heart. And there is a deep sense of betrayal of the core of your own heart which is very different than arguing with your mind about you know what your life purpose is or not it's like when you're confronted with the life and death that lives in the core of your heart you know so that confrontation is what's coming i think on the planet is it's not so much a, a debatable um you know consciousness piece the heart is going to be forced into you know now choose Live or die, choose. Yeah. <sighs> hey, Bruce. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Yeah. That, um. Thank you so much. That that uh, I'm feeling this a lot, and um, I guess there's some things coming up for me is like this process of of the like morning and like where, like how much. It's it's like the, that letting go and that battle inside of like how much we're like trying to hold on to what we don't want to let go of, but like wanting the, the new so bad, but not being able to let go of the past. And like, yeah, I don't know, I guess it's the process of, of, um, of mourning it and maybe you can speak something into that's just what's coming up for me. Mm. 
of morning. So just say again about the morning, like give me a, a taste of what the morning is for. What's the for the death of the, of the yeah for the for the death that's here and that's coming, you know, and that's these parts that we know we have to let go of and that that are just that are really hard to let go of. Yeah. Yeah, I know that um, stage and maybe other people know it in their life of like, I know in my late 20s, I had a group of people and we were, we were deep into, um, uh, we knew we were partying, like we knew we were burning the candle too fast and too hard. And, but there was such a camaraderie in the process of, you know, living on the edge and, and, and when you get to sort of the first set and return coming along, you know, it's over. Like, you know, that there's not going to be any more party. Like, you know, that it, the time for that is over, but it was so good. And you love these people. And, you know, like, so that to me was that, was that, um, that sense of responsibility. It's kind of the weight of Saturn comes at the Saturn return and says, actually, that, that party was great. And now there's something, there's something else arriving. And, um, and I feel like if we, if we call each other in that, and then we don't actually have to leave behind all of those people, we actually go together into a much deeper responsibility for showing up. Yeah, and I really love this, what you were just saying about just like the little small steps, the little small things every day and bringing awareness to what we say we're going to do and how <laughs> looking like really monitoring how we're doing it every moment. <laughs> what are we saying? Yeah, I, I know that in my own life, I'm like, at the moment, I'm like trying to, you know, improve my diet and, um, and it's going okay. You know, some days I'm fasting and you know, it's great. It's going okay. And then I'll have a blowout. Right. And then I have a voice that's like, right now it's over. Like you've blown out. Like, you know, like it's too late now. You, you know, you're done. You know, we, we blew you out, you know? Um, and, and then of course the answer is to just pick up and, 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 you know, do the next thing. But I want to then get it caught into this whole drama of the fact that I failed and blah, blah, blah. So I love this thing that he's saying is that a lack of will is not often a lack of will. It's that part of us is willing the opposite. So we're actually swimming against our own, you know, waves. And if we can turn towards the part that doesn't want to and is actively willing against it and listen to it and, you know, integrate it, then it's not just a lack of, you know, pushing one side of the, of the wagon. So I think for me, that's like asking, okay, you know, maybe the, the diet self is being a little bit too rigid, you know, and maybe the, 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 the pace that wants the blowout has got some something on its side, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good to see you. Hey, Bruce. Um, Hi. I'm I'm feeling like something that's coming up is is not so much the standing for or like standing against something in this like passionate way but it's more like actually feeling really comfortable in in the in-between where there's like this deep peace and like i'm not being swept so much by standing for or against something and it feels like it's like a like a cool breeze that's just like taking me 
Um, it doesn't feel like indifference or it doesn't feel like it's really like apathy or anything like that, but it does bring with it some like passiveness where it's like easy to just get lost in my art bubble and kind of forget about the world and not really like get shit done, you know, like, like landing something or like really feeling this landing a temple. Sometimes it feels like it's really far away from me because I'm not so like active in this like approach. Just wanted to yeah. like, yeah, shine a light on that from, from my side. Yeah, and it's a really good question. And, you know, probably if we were laying it all out, there is like getting caught in the drama. And then there's like not even being in the drama because you don't care, you know. And then there's getting past the drama and being witnessed like, like an artist or someone who's like fascinated in the drama, but they're no longer in. And then that the, the next step that he's saying is that in the crisis to come, there, there isn't really a place of witness. So that the, the life force has to be moving through you. And that if it's the dark light, it, it's not going to sweep you up into the battle, but it also isn't going to take you off into watching. It's going to bring much more life through. And that life could express in creativity or it could express in landing a temple or it could express in, in 101 things, but, it, but you'll know because it's life. You're letting life stand up in you, down, descend through you. You're not like, you know, falling off the intensity. You're deepening the intensity. There's more current running through you. Well, however you are deciding to express that current, but you're replacing the, the high charged emotional and sexual energy, which feels like you're living, but actually is a distraction. You're replacing that with the dark light of vibrating with the monad and with the earth so, so i feel like you know dark light god sex linked to deeply creativity knowing you're in you know alignment with with what's happening on the planet that those are all good signs that life's moving through you mm. Okay, well, maybe we could just close with a little alignment and, um, and the encouragement is to start with compassion because we're, we're part of a much bigger system and these issues around power go to the very core and root of life and death. So feeling the compassion in your heart and just inviting in those parts that if there are any parts that really don't want to be here, that haven't chosen the incarnation, that are still like, you know, locked in some deep part in ourselves to open our love towards those parts, understand that they're actually part of a much bigger journey that the whole planet's on and the way we incarnated and all of those things. So not to fight the parts of yourself that have an instinct for death.
And then if you extend that compassion into the world and feel at this time, that opportunity being presented and see if you can feel equal compassion for those who choose to leave and those who choose to come fully in. And then also reach with your heart and feel the parts of you that still feel deep outrage at things that are happening in the world that wants to stand against. And then the passion in your heart driven by love that wants to stand for. <laughs> and then draw your energy into your core, into that shushumna, that dark current, the core of your spine. And just ask that question, how does life want to stand up in me? How does life want to stand up in me in such a way that leaves me and those around me free? and then extend that to the planet. How does life want to stand up in human beings? And just feel the longing in your heart for a culture and a civilization that has true freedom at its core.
Okay, thank you, everybody. And uh, be lovely to just <clears throat> say a little bit about the launching today of the um, of the Earth Mandala. One of the beautiful things that has happened here is is how does life want to stand up in us rather than what we thought we were doing, which was having a TTT seven. And how life stood up was to say actually. It's time to give up the idea of geography, the idea that my body and your body, my place on the earth and your place on the earth and, and realize that the earth itself is the temple and that Haydn is just an acupuncture point for that experience that now needs to uh, be shared with the earth and that many, uh, the, the whole process of landing temples is part of what this dark light transmission is now as part of what initiates on the planet are doing which is allowing it to come through their body to come from the core of the earth and setting these places that will be places where souls can come and new civilization can begin so what we're doing is is having um, mandalas instead of just the stone at highland with beings all around the world that are coordinating together a process of soul landing from September equinox for six weeks. So if you are called to that or you know people who are or that it would be perfect for, we, we want the right people. We want, we want the soul tribe of the world that, that wants to vibrate with this together um, to find each other. So yeah, if, if you can um, feel that current of love and life and support that moving to where it needs to go. Kind of the image we had in meditation this morning uh, was was of like the core of the earth releasing flocks of birds that went up to the surface and and their wings touched the 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 soles of human feet standing on the earth in a sacred manner somewhere around the world. So that kind of light touch of the wings of the soul to the soles of the feet. Um, for people who are wanting to truly get the experience of the seventh ray landing of a temple. Freedom to you all. <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll see some of you next week.